The holiday season is now upon us. The year is absolutely flying by, and the news never stops. That's why we at the DSR Network have expanded our programming to cover even more of the world's events. We hope you will consider supporting our work by becoming a member. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the member-only Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of November, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code STUFFING at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code STUFFING. Thank you very much for your support. Welcome to The Secret Life of Cookies, where we try to solve the world's problems through the miracle of carbohydrates, one recipe at a time, with host Marissa Rothkoff and her dog, Bosco. Hello, and welcome to The Secret Life of Cookies this week. My guests are the founders of Comedy Gives Back, three brilliant and funny humans, Jody Lieberman, Amber J. Lawson, and Zoe Friedman. Let's go to it. Just before we get there, all the recipes for the podcast and links can be found on my Substack newsletter at marissarothkoff.substack.com. You can support my work with a subscription for $5 a month, or if that's not possible yet, you can subscribe for free. And don't forget, please, to join the Deep State Radio as a member for special perks. Either way, I am grateful for your support. Hello. And welcome to The Secret Life of Cookies. I have not one, not two, but three, three wonderful guests here today. I think this is a new record for me. So thank you very much for breaking out of the ones and the twos. We now have three. Um, And we have Jody Lieberman. We have Amber J. Lawson and Zoe Friedman, who are all part of a great new, well, not new, but a great organization called Comedy Gives Back. And we're here to make some golf cookies, which I think you're going to explain to us why. And if you can introduce yourselves and let everybody know your voice and your name, so your name and your voice, and what Comedy give, Gives Back is, so people know. Should the Z in jazz start? Or A to Z or Z? A to Z. I think, I think we should Z go. Z. I, since my last name is Roadcop. I was always last, so I want to start in the back with Zoe. Ah, the best for last. Hi, I'm Zoe Friedman. I am one of the three co-founders of Comedy Gives Back. Happy to be here. Thank you for being here. Uh, I'm I'm Jody Lieberman. I'm another co-founder of Comedy Gives Back. And I'm Amber J. Lawson, (laughs) the founder founder of Founder Founders of Jazz. So we go by Jazz. So if you want to collectively call us, Jazz, Jody, Amber, Amber J. Zoe. So we go by not Jazz. But Jazz, Andy, they got jazz. the J, the A, and the Z. I'm really slow, but I'm getting it. Okay, Jazz. Um, comedy. We are the same of the comedy community. <laughs> what does Comedy Gives Back do? Well, as Amber J. said, we call ourselves the safety net for the comedy community, which means we try to catch comics when they fall, right? So financial crisis relief, mental health 
needs like resource and also sponsorship and payment and chemical dependency and substance abuse treatment, again, resourcing as well as paying for comedians, substance abuse treatment. And we started 2011 with a vision to raise money and awareness for many different nonprofits using comedy. And then we looked at each other in 2018 and said, nobody's taking care of the comedians. And you look at the music world, they have music cares and you look at the actors. I mean, yeah. now with the strike, but they have the actors fund and comedians have no one. And here just three of us have made our living on in comedy on the backs of comedians. These comedians would say yes to and not get paid anything to do these fundraisers for us. And that was like this aha kind of, Oh, we got to support the comedians and it's our community. So, you know, we say like everybody, you know, everybody has a community to help the vulnerable in their community. And that's what we decided to do and put the stake in the ground in 2019 to only be sort of uh, the first obstacle of pandemic, right? Like we weren't meant to be a pandemic relief organization. That's what we became. But we were an overnight sensation 10 years <laughs> in the making because yes. in past iterations, one of the things we did was comedy, charity, and technology. And so we had been live streaming comedy events from around the world. Since 2011. Wow. 11, yeah. yeah. So we, we were built for this. When the pandemic came, yeah, we did a digital fundraise telethon. Again, we never thought we would have to do it again. We did it as a fluke. We MacGyvered it like out of nothing. Like we had, you know, it was really pretty incredible. And that's actually what's on the wall. Oh, and yeah. then in two, yes, in 2020, we had Laugh-Aid and we had 90 comedians. And well, we'll show you, you'll see that poster. We had 90 comedians show up to, to raise money stand up comedians specifically for themselves. So we had like Adam Sandler and Whitney Cummings and Burke Kreischer and Bob Saget, God rest his soul, and Gilbert Gottfried, Bill, Bill Burry, Bergazzi. I mean, we had 90 comedians. It was an eight and a half hour extravaganza. It was hard to produce remotely. We were one of the early First. ones. We thought we had a rush because the pandemic. <laughs> Gotta hurry. Over. Yeah. Funny joke on <laughs> Zoom fatigue. Zoom fatigue, right. So we did that and we started giving out grants on April 5th and we gave out over a thousand pandemic relief grants to comedians. And then about a year ago, we returned to what our original vision is, which was much more aligned with like music care. So, hey, I'm a uh -huh. comedian. I'm struggling, whether that's like my car broke down and I'm on a big tour in North, you know, the Northeast. And if I don't have my car, I can't get to my gigs. And we do the application process and we pay the mechanic and they're on, we get them on the road or I need mental health support. So whatever it is, we are trying, you know, we show up for the community. How do, how community. do comedians learn about you? Like if I'm, you know, just doing my stand up here in New Jersey somewhere, you know? question because, and, and, and I know we'll giggle with this world word, <laughs> penetration. Because <laughs> yeah. we are 12. Penetration community is actually a little bit harder than messaging. Penetration is so harder. Many comedians. Yeah. <laughs> Thank uh -huh, you for yes uh -huh. ending that, Marissa. Yes. <laughs> uh, and because we're like, Amber J and I live in LA and Jody lives in New York. We're all here in LA and wanted to be together for this one. You know, we certainly, I think, have a good presence in these towns, but we are trying to build our comedy club network. So, Clubs in Indiana are communicating to their comedians that we have these programs. We just recently launched 
Comic is Back HealthNet, which is a smart technology app-based supplement to insurance. It's not instead of, so a comic's in Cincinnati, they have a sore throat through this app. They can get to like a doctor within, you know, telehealth within the hour and get a prescription for whatever sent to the Cincinnati Rite Aid, you know, and they're on their way to, so amazing with that here, we want to give away a hundred years of a hundred comics for a year of this coverage. And we're, we're working hard to try to penetrate to say, come, we want to pay for a year of this, you know, and same with pandemic relief, getting people. It was also interesting. Comics always said, I don't need it. Somebody else needs it more. They're very, and I think it was, I think that's a combination of shame, right? Like I don't want help. And that's, we all need help, but we don't want to admit it to like, you know, a little low self-esteem, probably I'm not worthy, which definitely drives some comedians. And three, maybe they didn't feel they're at that place yet. But it's like, even when comedians now apply for like pandemic, for not pandemic relief, for financial relief, they often like, I need help with one month's rent because they're in the mentality that next month they could book the biggest Yeah, job, they could hit it. Right? So that's the mentality. I was like, take three months. Don't, they can't right. think ahead, right. right? Like take six months, take six months so you can breathe a little bit easier and you don't have to, because the idea right. is like to- to prop you up so you could perform and continue to thrive and make money the way you're supposed to be making money. But that's how comics live. They live paycheck to paycheck, gig to gig, and that's their mentality. So we're here to kind of help them. And right. It's funny because, you know, people have an idea of like comedians is there's a lot of like some self-loathing, some self-deprecation, but in the end, they're really very hopeful people, right? Something's going to come along and get help. Yeah. Because that has, sometimes that has worked. You know, I think about that with even like actors or like, you know, they come in for an audition and the next day they could be, there's whole life changes, way, for, yeah. you know, on the way, right? So it does happen. But, you know, sometimes we get these calls from older comedians who are aging out and that's a big piece of our population that we're actively trying to figure out how we can support because after pandemic and they haven't been working and then they're like, yeah, I just need one month's rent. I'm like, you need six months rent because you might not get back on a cruise ever again. Like, you know, so, you know, one of our missions is to build and have a place for senior comedians, like an, uh, like a motion picture fund home for comedians. Like that is something we're very seriously considering trying to like, not trying to like to start that. That was like one of our long-term goals when we started, but it it seems like the need is like in our face, like right now, like, so, Trying to figure it out. I just yeah. can't. I, I mean, who comes in and entertains the comedians, you know, in the old age home? Who is that person? Young comedian. Well, can you imagine what that would be oh like gosh. in that place? I think you'd get like, you'd probably get the <laughs> best quality of like nurse, nursing care there because they'd be like, my job is just so much more entertaining than any place else. Well, we all have the highest like like uh, moral or morale of nursing or whatever, because they get to laugh exactly. or whatever, right? That would, that be, would great. be nice. Or, uh, They're also, <laughs> they also are pain in the butt. Yeah, but that comes with the territory anyway for like a lot of aging people and a lot of people who, yeah. Anyway, she said, pointing at herself, um, we are here to not just talk about these important things, but to bake important things. Um, I was tasked with creating something or coming up with a recipe that would work because this weekend you guys are doing a probably the least funny thing I could think of which is a golf tournament 
You're so so right. <laughs> um, and, and, and really, yeah. so people give money so they don't ever need to do a golf tournament again, please. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Right here, I know this is private, but our, this is our past year. No, um, <laughs> no that's not no, exactly. no. But I mean, um, like in the comedy world, like wouldn't like pickleball just be funnier? Like the name is funnier. But I'll tell you, when we started, yeah. Marissa, it was pandemic, and that's There's why we did it. And a lot of comedians yeah. golf. And a lot of comedians golfed a lot during pandemic. So we tried to, and pickleball wasn't quite right. where it is now, right? And so we were like, what can we do to raise? And there's obviously, you know, we like to lean into stuff that's already happening. A lot of comedians said they would do, you know, but really, we don't golf. It's very male. It's very white. No matter how hard we try to change the face of it, it is what it is. And it's it's expensive. And it's taking the money we need to be putting into our programs to, you know, to, to kind of prop something. up, to produce a, a good tournament. Which is know? not our, our... Forte. Well, not only that, but it's not our model right. moving forward, right? The model is the comedians oh, giving back. Giving yeah, exactly. back. So... And yes. supporting the foundation, yeah, and that is what we're that's what we're moving into. So we got it up and running, and now we're stepping into the next phase of it, our growth. Yeah, one of the visions we had is comedians or comedy clubs, right, to give a portion of their ticket sales or a portion of their tour back, and then of course that plan got laughed out because all clubs closed for close to a year and had no. Then they caught up and were. Building back. back and comedians also, right? There was a time that they had to do make goods on their tours and stuff. But we have our first partner in crime in this tour and giving back proceeds and gifting and gifting and tithing a significant amount that we mm -hmm. actually like. This fundraiser is on top of that. Last year, the, our second oh. annual golf tournament was our fundraiser, and we were waiting for that. And then Burt Kreischer and the Fully Loaded Tour is where their philanthropic philanthropic partner. And we just see that as the model going forward. It was our original vision. Hey, comedian X, you're on tour. Give a portion. Give some proceeds. It doesn't, you know, to back to it. You know, these one percenters, right? It's not mm. dissimilar from what's happening right. in our country. The middle class comedians is disappearing, Suffering. and there's this one percent who are huge monster arena tours, and that you know, and so that's that's what we're hoping they give back. That's our model, and that's what we hope going forward. So whatever we do, fundraising is for fun and community and to be representative, but let the comics give back. Let them kind of. And let's make some golf ball cookies. <laughs> yeah. And then, so we thought it was fun to do some golf related. <laughs> Definitely. <baking. laughs> and I have to say, when you like type into Google, like, I want to do some golf recipes, there, there, it's a lot of tweeness going on there. There are a lot of people molding white chocolate into, I mean, they're incredible looking, but like, like making oh, like yeah. white chocolate, um, golf balls in molds with chocolate cake inside of them yes. but i'm <laughs> but no yeah and even I, I i don't i didn't think we all wanted to sit here and like paint white chocolate into molds because really i'd rather be eating a cookie than doing that um let's leave that to yes. the influencers not just be, not the food people um so for those of you at home we're going to be um cooking a little bit now so uh we, we may cut in and out a little bit but that's okay you'll know that um i'm not cooking today because i've already i had to mix my dough by hand with a wooden spoon um which is shocking uh because not only did my kitchen aid mixer hey kitchen aid i'm here 
Um, not only did my KitchenAid mixer uh, balk this morning and die in the face of having to mix butter, but so did my hand mixer. Like I've been cursed by some sort of baking sprite who thinks it's funny to do that to me. So the baking sprites who are like, they're a little wicked. And one of them, I think, did something to the ball bearings in my KitchenAid. I'm looking over at my KitchenAid now like, why? Why did you let me down? So um, once you've given money, everybody, to the Comedy Gives Back, if you can donate uh, 50 cents, a dollar to a new professional stand mixer, I'd appreciate it. Anyway. Um, ComedyGivesBack.com. Uh, think so, of how, yeah. I mean, truly, like, think about how comedians kind of kept us afloat. I know they kept me afloat when I was sitting on my couch for about two years with, um, you know, during the lockdown. Um, today we're going to make what I, what most, a lot of people know is Mexican wedding cookies or corumbietes. Please, if you're Greek, don't hurt me for the way I just pronounced that. Um, it's similar dough to vanilla kipfel. It's similar dough to a lot of, of these doughs, but it basically turns out a really nice fluffy white cookie. And it's uh, got butter and confectioner sugar, which has cornstarch in it, which keeps it all like tender and lovely. And it's flavored with lemon zest and um, cinnamon. And then we put pecans in it, which gives them a little bit of toothy nuttiness. We um, roll them into balls and then we roll them in sugar. I mean, confectioner sugar once they come out of the oven. So they look all the white like a... Oh, thank you for being so prepared with that. Um, so first things you guys have to do is mix up your butter. It's two, it's a cup of butter and um, three quarters of a cup of powdered sugar. Because it's one of those really annoying recipes that like, you need a cup and a half, but split them in two. And I'm going to rewrite the recipe so it's less annoying. All right. We're putting a, our powdered sugar <laughs> in our bowl. This is kind of like being on like a morning show and baking yeah. and I have a, like if I only had my ramekins set up, exactly. I would be so happy, yep. you know? Yep, like, yep, yep. I actually had my ramekins set up <laughs> for this, for not only making dough, but for, to demonstrate it during the um, podcast. And that's when my um, mixer died. It was like, that's too, too advanced for me. Please don't do that. Um, but the nice thing about like if you go on one of those morning shows is they do it all for you. You're not in the kitchen. They have a lovely kitchen staff that does it all. Yeah. Does all that. I also love on Zoom, which was a show I watched growing up. They had cooking segments. Hubby. Hubby Frubend. I said Hubby Frubend. Hubby Frubend. Yes, that's right. And, and let's just their let's cut right to it. What's the zip code? Oh, two, one, three, four. Send it to Zoom. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. We got our uh, we got our butter and our powdered sugar. I mean, vanilla, vanilla, okay. and some Vanilla's lemon zest. Lemon zest. You want oh, zest? Yeah, zest? Mm -hmm. yeah. How much zesting am I doing? If you oh, zested you one lemon, you would be okay. Just so for the people at home who don't get the pleasure of watching this, everybody's helping. It's three people yeah. working all together to make this happen. We are a good team. You are. It looks like you are a good team. It's a good example for everyone who wants to know how to run an organization. If you can bake together, 
You know, it's that's true, right? This is our we don't bake together much, but we do make meals sometimes together because we work together. But I will say the part the the power of partnership, like we're all three so different and we come with different perspectives and we're very close. We're good friends first. We're, and then yeah, you know so it it really and it might not work if you're really good friends, but it does. We you know, we we really complement each other in terms of our sort of skills and our kind of approach. So it's neat that way that we get to help, you know, each other uh, come up and be good. Okay. And you like cinnamon as much as cardamom? I've had either, but I have both. But um, cinnamon you, is good. I, I did cinnamon. Um, uh, personally, I did cinnamon and lemon. But if you like cardamom, put cardamom in. You know what? I actually think the reason, I think I just cleared out my cardamom. Actually, believe it or not, I think I actually emptied. Totally no, fine. Fine. I'm totally fine with cinnamon. Cinnamon, let's yeah. cinnamon. Okay. Just let's keep cinnamon. cinnamon, keep it simple. Um, so how much of the three of you who has done stand up? None. None of you. I'm a I'm a performer, but not uh, we we all work comedy, we all workers, bookers, development I was a development executive at Comedy Central and Warner Brothers in comedy. Like we've worked in comedy our Higher lives. I mean, we go back almost, so we, we go back almost like 25, 30 years. Right. And for Jane, that's probably about almost 20. So we all have like a strong history um, of being but friends never, and knowing each other and being in the comedy world. So we've grown many up in jobs and many have, have you ever been tempted to go on stage and do stand up? I have, and when I think and I have those thoughts, I give a call to my therapist instead. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. It's uh, one way out. It's an audience, and you reveal stuff vulnerable and make a joke. No, I, uh, I yeah. So no, I. It's, you try and you, know, you do. You try and entertain your therapist, don't you? Like my greatest like like goal whenever I go to like a physician or my therapist is like my job is to make them laugh because then. Then they like me. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm a facilitator of emotional intelligence, and I do speeches and facilitation around the world. And so I get to perform and be funny and create transformation. So I do it in a different way than I originally set out to. That's better than therapy then because you get actually paid to do it as opposed to my therapist gets like a free show. That's right. I, I do the same compulsive. And by the way, I think it developed early on when my mother was compulsively yeah, late. And I would like, the teachers would be waiting, you know, with me. And I would like kind of dance for my sing for my supper and try to like entertain them, right. you know, because I felt guilty for being there. So yeah, we, we have our moments. But, you know, I think from being around it for so long and having such the utmost respect for how hard it is. I don't dare step on that stage. I mean, I have the reverence that of of what it is and how to do it, and and I don't want to do it just for fun because it almost feels like it undermines it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, no, actually, everybody can't be a comedian. It's actually a challenging, difficult thing to do, right? It's like, no, you can't write it. Like I've had when I worked at Nickelodeon, people would come to me and be like, "Oh, you you write for kids? That must be so fun," and and implying that it was easy. And I'm like, no. No, it's not actually. Um, it's actually maybe even harder. Yeah, I've been around stand up, you know, most of my professional life, and I have the utmost respect for them. And 
it frightens me. And I'm always curious to ask them, you know, what made you get up that first time? What made you get up on stage? And I'm always fascinated by their story. Like, let's get into, if you can, the mind of a comedian, because I think we all have like, I don't know, you know, sort of ideas already about like what it is to be a comedian. It's like, oh, you know, a lot of self-deprecation there, um, all sorts of protective mechanisms. But like what makes a person get on stage and be willing to pour out their guts that way? I think trauma, childhood trauma. Well, Jody represents comedians. Obviously, Zoe grew up with comedians. Mm-hmm. I, Zoe, Zoe, explain to the audience uh, who your parents were. So my parents, Bud and Silver Friedman, started uh, the first comedy club, the like a, a like in the modern or modern incarnation of stand-up comedy and the stand-up comedy club with a brick wall behind you. My parents started the first comedy club in New York in 1963 called The Improvisation. It's out here in L.A. also uh, on Melrose. The one in New York closed in 93. Um, but the, we're celebrating 60 years of the improv next week. Oh, my which is, gosh. Well, the improv's all over the – yeah, it's a franchise. Um, and, yeah, 60 years this year we're celebrating. And it's tremendous to think about, like, the people who stepped on that stage for the years and continue to step on the stage. That's we did a special, like on ne- it's going to be on Netflix on Tuesday, the seventh as well, the 60th anniversary special. Oh, good. <laughs> and it has contemporary comedians, then the Robert Kleins and the Bette Midlers who also were part of the history. And they have, a you know, they also have clips from old stuff. But what it really is exciting is that it's a vibrant place today. It doesn't live just in the past of the legacy. Mm-hmm. The, the company that bought from my, my dad, like, really wants to preserve the history, but they're also business people. And it's a thriving legacy with comedians who all have that, I stepped on my first improv stage and my life changed. Or, you know, they all sort of shared right. what those moments were, right? It, it, it kind of crossed the board, you know. I feel like almost every comic to legitimize themselves needs to or has a desire to play an improv. For, for a long time, it was like, I mean, and by the long time, I mean, also a long time ago, the thing that felt like you would feel like you'd made it as a comic, it's if you got on like the Tonight Show at Johnny Carson. And is there anything like that today other than like stepping on the improv stage? Well, I, you know, the improv stage might have more viewers than a late night television. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you know, obviously the social media machine. You know, it's a really good question because definitely those spots still are important, you know, like in terms of like a good credit, like The Tonight Show. You know, Jimmy Fallon is the only one really doing the regular late night kind of views, like regularly breaking new comedians, you know. So it still continues, although it doesn't have the same impact, right, where sitcom, oh, great spot, you're on again, and then you have a sitcom. But it still happens, you know, and it helps. Now it's a real business. It sort of became, I mean, in the sense that a podcast make more money for a comic than touring often, depending on what level you are, or a podcast more than, so there's so many different avenues and there's not one gatekeeper any longer, right? There's, so it, it, there's a real business and there's a real opportunity for comics to make a living in it, doing, not having to hit that one mark to make it. There's a lot of different 
paths, I think. You well, know? and I think it makes comedians be entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Not that they were before, but they weren't. They they are not reliant upon Johnny Carson. Yeah, Jack that's right. A man saying who goes and who doesn't go. There's yeah. many more avenues now for, I would say, distribution to get themselves out there. And the it's business has definitely... The business has definitely changed over the last, I would say, 15 years where comedians have become like rock stars almost. And like we just said, they have to be entrepreneurial entrepreneurial, um, in the sense they just can't go up and do their set at night, hope for that one spot on The Tonight Show to make their career. They have to always be doing things now with social media. They also have to just be out there. Yeah. Um, but that there's nothing better than that late night television debut, like still for comedians. Yeah, like, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Like it's still fun to see, you know, the Tonight Show posting like a Leslie Lau or these new comedians who are, you know, breaking away and helping with build careers. But yeah. There's so many different ways, and it's become like a Uber business now. You know, oh my kitty cat, <laughs> or is that a dog? That a no, no, this is um, my cat who is oh, yeah. um, that dog we saw before up on the counter. <laughs> no, um, he did that once and never again. Um, no, my cat is here to ensure, of course, you know, health and safety rules are <laughs> kept. Um, cat's OSHA. <laughs> yeah, my cat is and um, knows all the keeps. Every, he's very clean, uh, everyone, and my. My cookies are never very hairy. Uh, it's interesting. The whole world for like creatives really has turned upside down. Yep. Um, and um, there are days I think when all of us long uh, for someone to take care of stuff for us. And instead it's a lot more of like literally having like literally and not literally having to do a song and dance. You know, I think. Mean, I have to be an entrepreneur. I have to be a marketer. I have to do all these things. Um, but do you see like the same number of people going into comedy? If you know what I mean, I don't even know if that's. A, do we go into comedy? It's definitely increased. Like I, I feel now that it's a legitimate profession. Where before, when I was growing up, I didn't know anyone was going to be a stand-up comic. Now I literally have friends who have kids who. They're like, Jody, my 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 daughter, my son want to be a comic. They want to go down to Saturday Night Live. They want to go and tour. They want to be like Amy Schumer. So I just think there's so many more comics today. And people are starting off really young. We were at a show last night where they were encouraging um, college students but, to go out and, and do stand-up. But that's even people who think about doing it live. Like a lot of people, I mean, Bo Burnham was way ahead of the game that he was doing things from his bedroom back in 2014 or whatever whereas right. now comedians like who start on social media don't necessarily you know they well, can't set right. a club all the time either you know like they, it's a different skill but kids teenagers are like just putting comedy out there lips you know on tiktok and yep. you know it's a whole different way to come up but um it's a way you know i mean as long as they work on because stand up in its mm-hmm. ultimate and its purest is in person on a stage yeah. with a microphone and an audience tribalizing together to have that shared comic experience. I feel like wherever you can get your comedy, get it. If it's online, everybody needs to laugh. But really, that's I'll be a traditionalist and a purist about that. So mm-hmm. even if you're comic enough on TikTok, 
you got to figure out how that translates to a club because ultimately you want if you're going to be a comedian, that. that's if you want it, that's where you need to be on a stage with a you know with an audience with a, you know so that's what you know what what is so unique and special about that I love the phrase tri- that you use the word tribalism what what is that tribalism about well I think it's about a shared experience I mean mm-hmm. a comedian takes their individual experience and universalizes it for the audience and to me like um or if we go wrong. No, we're not going nowhere went wrong. Okay. I think I just I just am not as focused. I think, you know, we can <laughs> You guys are doing it. there's the normal for the batter to get stuck in the beaters. Everything's more fun done together often, you know, like, you know, um <laughs> so I think that shared experience of, you know, we never know what can happen and you know, and you know, the live experience right. is a very different thing and an important one to the art form of stand up to yeah, I think that, you know, I like to tribalize when you comedy because also if I don't find somebody funny on the stage and you're at a showcase kind of club, um, if you don't like the net, the ones on, I like watching the audience get off laughing on the person even if I might not find it funny and I wait till the next one. Like maybe I've missed the wave of the setup of the joke and I, you know, I was in the bathroom. I'm like, I'm just going to enjoy other people enjoying it. Like that's fun too. Like, you know, and mm-hmm. that comes from someone who gets to see a lot of comedy so I can... I can float off some nights because I can go back the next night for not, you know, big cover charge, you know, you know. Um, That's it. Zoe and I are kind of purists in that way. And we've seen so much comedy over the, you know, the last two, three decades. And now, you know, everybody, you know, anyone can watch stand-up comedy on Netflix and it's such a big deal to get a Netflix special. But for me, I don't like watching it on TV. I love being in a club with other people, you know, sitting uncomfortably on a chair. <laughs> oh my God, Marissa, um, we went to a show last night. Yeah. That had a room that was big, like small than my kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. I mean, it was great. Like, it was great. It was a great show because it was like really fun, but it was hot and it was uncomfortable. And I get it. If I paid for those seats, I might be a little pissed. But then you have to like settle it. This is my, you know, settling going, I'm here. I'm now. It's sort of like in yoga if I have a substitute. I'm like, I'm here. If now, <laughs> just fucking say. And, you know, and then had a great time, right? Like didn't, decided not to let the guy who was kind of touching my arm to mm. close next to me, you know, like bother me. But, I, go, but I, <sighs> I, I love that experience because it's that communal experience of everybody, you know, laughing together and now. it's great. It's, you know, so for me, I really enjoy that live experience. And I think stand-up really is about that. And yet in you know, Netflix and their yeah. specials, that does more for a comedian's career because somebody in Indiana can see it. Somebody in another country can see it. And then comics can hit those, you know, targets, touring. right, for touring and stuff. But, yeah, for me, I'll watch the special because I want to keep up and be in the zeitgeist and kind of try to have, you know, see what's out there. Because sometimes I don't know somebody's act and I'm pleasantly surprised or not. And and then, you know, I do prefer the purists, like, live. and What happens now? Okay, so I'm going to... She's going to make a... No- you're going to make a noise now by ripping the parchment paper. Yeah. Ready? Oh. And um, then we're going to put it on the pan. And then everyone everyone can help now, kids. It's like preschool. Um, and you're going to grab a ball of dough about the size... Of, you can make it, like, the size of a golf ball. Okay. You know, and roll it to make it as perfect um, a sphere as you can between your palms like this. Hold on, hold on. We're watching our hands so we could do this. Hold on one second. I'm not watching. 
I don't washing, think but as my hands get dirtier, the cat gets closer, waiting. Like, can I? Can I steal some? When I was doing yoga, you know, at home during the pandemic, like every time I would lay down my dog, that yes. puppy would sit on my head, be under my downward dog, like wherever the most crucial kind of uh, yep. place I need. I've had my cat crawl into my shirt because like you're like if you're like, you know, on all fours, your shirt hangs down. Oh, that yeah. looks nice. And then roll it. Nice. Just the ball. Just, just roll it into a ball and then put it on the um, baking sheet. It's that easy, people. It's that easy. And I hope everyone at home makes these and you can put your own spices in them and make them as yummy as you want. Um, let me ask you, are you? Do you know? That's great. Yeah, that's great. Okay. We should have had a bake along with actually people from the audience who listen. Uh, yeah, that would have been fun. Exactly. Um, Stand-up comedy and baking, which is really basically the idea behind this show, that and politics. Um, so have, do you think you're the first people to laugh at a show, or do you reserve and wait for other people? Oh, I'll laugh by myself. Like, yeah. oh, I, I mean, do I need to be yeah, indicated, indicated by the audience? No, I mean, like, do you think like you get it before other people? <laughs> Or do you, oh, or do you, or are you more judgmental and you sit back and you're like, try and impress me? I will say that for the amount of stand up comedy that I've seen in my life, I am incredibly unjaded and not waiting for that. Like, I love to laugh and I will, like, if I'm there, like I said, like, I'm not going to waste a substitute yoga. Like, <laughs> I will, I will, I don't need, you know, I will laugh and I will, you know, um, laugh. Yeah, I don't think I get it ahead of time just because I've heard a lot. If a good comic is a good comic, they don't, they're magicians, you know, they don't show their, you know. I think you need more space between your um, calls. So, yeah. She's I judging our balls, though. I know. How are your balls? She's judging our spacement. Well, I think they were, they, they're too, no, yeah, they have to be. They should be about uh, two inches apart. They won't spread too much. They're small. They're not. They don't spread out. They don't. They're not like men and their balls on the subway. <laughs> A good one, Marcus. Thank you. The look at what a man I am. Uh, <laughs> so, how? Tell me a little bit about how comedy gives back has been received by the comic community. Because I, I think first of all, I think people don't really have a sense of. Like we have a sense of like the megastar of, you know, these people who get the Netflix specials and we don't have a sense that of how much of a community there is of sort of, as you were saying, the middle class of comedy people. And, and like, how is, is it a whole world out there that I don't know about? Um, well, let's show her our balls before we send, send them Check in. out our balls. You guys have beautiful Just balls. Thank, Thank you. you. We won't take them on the subway. It actually don't just looked like it actually tastes good. Yeah, there's no egg in them, so I mean, the um, Pillsbury would say to you, "Don't eat raw flour" because there've been issues in the past. Um, yeah. But you know, how much timer wise? Uh, timer wise, start with about 19 minutes. I don't mean to be that exacting, but start with 19 minutes at 3:25. And you want them to get a little, little slightly golden on the bottom, and they should start to um, have take on a little golden color on the top. That's the way I like to eat them, you know. 
Now we can come talk a little more. I'll be stepping in. They're in the oven. And 325, and we're good. Now I'll leave this. Mm. Um, mm, it is tasty. It is tasty, so. right? Because it's not too sweet, because probably the powdered sugar also sweetens them at the end, kind of. Yep. A little bit more. I like the not so sweet, you know? Like it is. Lemon zest good. Yeah. Lemon zest good. So let's talk about, the, like, the people who. There, there's a middle class of people who you're saying middle class of comedian who can make a living, can yep. they, mm -hmm. off of being stand-up comedians? Yep. If I there mean, any, if my any of my children are out there listening, it's not true. But go on. Yeah. Here's the thing. It it takes. I think it takes a long time to even class existence. But I think the point is. You can, there's a lot more ways. So you can do your own podcast. You can do your own merch. You can have like your social media, you know, like I will say, and I'm not going to name people, but there's a bunch of comedians from here in LA who have like, have started traditionally in the clubs and yeah. are kind of relaxed, you know, best and work the road a little bit. And they've taken to social media and now they've gotten their numbers up and they're getting booked more. Let's hope they work their comedy as much to meet that. But like, these are comedians who are getting work because they have like a million people. Doesn't mean they're going to be so funny, but like really where they're, so there's a way, but it takes a lot of, I mean, it, even for the middle class existence, it takes a lot of work and you got to be really in, you know, I think committed. about the, yeah, you have to be committed. I mean, it is not an easy road, right? But it's, there's a road for sure. And I would say it's a kinder road than it used to be. Interesting. There's more space. Oh. It's not like, Right, there's it's more not like five spots, and five spots, it. and that's it. So there's also a different pathway. Well, that's why, right? right? Like, I mean, that's why I think this changes. It's not just, hey, you have there's five spots on on Carson every year or Letterman or, you know, there still is, but now they can go. There's, there's other Netflix ways, right. and there's you know TikTok now, and and like Zoe said, people are really you know drawing an audience off of social media. So there's. So, yeah, I mean, I think there, although, you know, there is this one, you know, so, and I'm not, I don't, I don't know so much about the economics of the middle, like middle class comedy, but Al Madrigal made that point even on Laugh-Aid like years ago about this middle class being reflective of the comedy middle class. But, and we see it, especially as like this 1% of comedians just kind of, and be, the, the business becomes an Uber industry, right? Like Burt Kreischer is an Uber industry on his own and, Dave Chappelle and you know these tours are monstrous you know and so we just hope that you don't mean class, Uber oh, as in a gig economy no as like in a super thing, like right. its own thing like it's not just a business mega. it's like mega mega yeah well, that's a good clarification thank you <laughs> but also the middle class but it ones. is a gig economy that's why I wanted to clarify that it is kind of like Uber because mm -hmm. they're doing gig by gig by gig by gig and that's why our health net it works. It's it's meant for gig economies. Yeah. So gig whether workers, you're, yeah. you know, a comedian on social media or anywhere else for that matter, or you work in the clubs, this supports, it fills in that gap. Right. Just talking about the middle class now, there are so many comedy clubs and when they get to a certain level, they, now it's acceptable, you know, comics 20, 30 years ago didn't play arenas, didn't play theaters and, and now they do. So there's that, you know, that level of That's like being a comedy yeah. club comic. And then there's like jumping to that next level. And for the comedy clubs, you know, they put a lot of 
you know, effort into building those client those clients up, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they go and they jump to a theater because they want to do one show, you know, with two thousand people or five thousand people as opposed to you know, you know, eight shows over a weekend and making half the money. Right, and I guess you know, I was think thinking about it. The landscape has changed so much. It is more like it, it's a it's a fairer um, kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Anybody have any words out there? Um, you know, the one where it's like equal for all. <laughs> you know, um, words in my brain. I don't know. I don't have but them all. More there's more opportunistic. Yeah, uh, there's more opportunity out there as opposed to like when we when I was little, it was like. You could see comedy on like Carol Burnett, which was awesome, you know, Saturday Night Live and like a few other places. But now I can sit at home and, you know, my kids, more importantly, like people my kids age who are like in their late teens, early 20s can have the whole world at their fingertips to watch all the comedy out there. And it gives a great opportunity to the comedians, too. No, no, she's talking to me about my tea. Please still morning time for us. Our jam, and she's making me some tea. We're tea drinkers. That's We're nice. teetotalers. <laughs> now you know why they call them that. Um, okay, can I? Um, there's something to celebrate this week in the world of women comedians, which is Taylor Tomlinson. Oh, yes. amazing! Amazing. That is a great announcement because. Amen. You realize when you see an announcement like that and your body sort of like feels like, what's different? Oh, right. A woman is going to be a host of a late night show here. Like you go, the fact that that's still like new information, it makes my body feel kind of weird and tingly. Like there's something new happening, you know, that visual. And you go, like, what? It shouldn't be in 2023, but it is. And she's awesome. She's She's the real deal, man. She is so happy. Yeah. long time I've I've seen her you know come up I when I worked at VH1 back in 2016 17 mm-hmm. I actually brought her in for an audition just to get to know her and there was something so special about her and I've definitely been following her career we know her manager very well and I just give them so much you know kudos and congratulations to you know her whole her and her whole team um she's so she's, good she's out there and they she like did it you know and had a great trajectory she's doing it yeah, and I, I, done. I i don't i'm sort of torn between thinking ah oh, now she's got to bring in all the women writers and she's got to be an example for women everywhere and she should just do what she wants to do yeah let's sure. i mean i'm sure it will be it will lean towards that way that's how the change happens right, right. i mean let's hope right without putting too much pressure on her. I mean, we also can't forget Lily Singh had a late night yep. show, you know, I think because she didn't come up with the, the and the B, and right? Yeah. Um, Chelsea Chelsea Chandler. Chandler. Yeah. 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 So, but I would say like, the, like I will, I'm not that there's a Chelsea Handler was on E right. Like, like not a main network, not a main network, I guess, you know, not that that's like lesser. Yeah. yeah. Probably got more view. They probably got more right. viewers at the that certainly was that Chelsea show was the show that Chelsea kind got, of created a, a marketplace broke, for comedians. She broke a lot of comedians. comedians were able to book and sell out. That was like one of the biggest shifts kind of because they shot. It wasn't like a show that's like 
shot every, it's not, it wasn't a daily show like stand-up, but it, anyway, yeah, that show. Yeah, that helped. show helped a lot of comics. And I feel right now, hopefully with this at midnight and this new incarnation of it will lend itself to that model also of breaking comedians and having comedians do things that's not necessarily their five minute, seven minute, ten minute act, but them just being funny, being funny. So right. I'm actually, you know, as somebody in the business on the other side of it who represents comics, I'm actually looking forward to it to have something else to, you know, my comics to be on to gain that 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 following and that audience. Yeah, I think look at very nice uh, kitchen and her stove. <laughs> she has a Viking stove and green, which I absolutely love. Tile. She just got this redone. I did. I was like, oh my god, I could bake, and I I got it done. La- I did my kitchen last year because I'm never I never baked or cooked in my life. Ooh. That's my everybody. Top. She has a very very killer stove. It is beautiful and lovely, sort of pine green tones of pine green tile in the background i, I highly recommend that look if, for people <laughs> or highly recommend <laughs> come bake it at these house <laughs> you know, it's exciting. I, got, I got a pantry in, in venice california like i uh it's a proud moment and I, yeah you're, so you're, I never, you're, in my life i never did anything in my life till pandemic really because i was out working and i didn't care like i didn't I didn't have any, and then you co- start cooking, and I was like, "Oh, my kitchen! Like, I want." <laughs> did you? Ad- did were you one of the people that adopted a sourdough or not? So here's the crazy thing about pandemic: I didn't start cooking until much down the line. We when were. pandemic happened, everybody was like, "Oh, you have so much time, and we're making sour, so we're watching our starter." We, we were producing. We were busy at the baby pandemic than I've ever been in my life, honestly, because we are producing something in a a virtual, literally a virtual world that we didn't know. I mean, just think about like Zoom was still a new thing at the time. Like we started, we started working March 14th. We were going to go do it March 28th. We pushed it to April 4th. So we had three weeks. (laughs) Yeah. And we had, like we said before, 90 comics that we had to coordinate. Oh, it was crazy. And, and we were so producers. busy. And I looked at everybody with their fucking sourdough oh my starter. God. And I was working <laughs> out, like, doing their closets. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, I haven't stopped. And we would get up in the morning. We were basically producing a festival. Yeah. But it was it was it was fun, and we we you know, we know how to do stuff. We, we know how to do that. that. We put That's a three-headed monster to to get to work and we get it done. Half a million dollars that night. We had four thousand individual donors donating. Well and we were just we were shocked. We all thought it was gonna be the comics donating to the comics. And then all of a sudden we walked and it was just you know, random people all across the country donating, whether it was ten dollars, thirty six dollars, a hundred dollars, fifty dollars. I mean it was all over the board and that made us Realize, like, oh, there's something to be said about this that people want to support the comics, the art form. So we felt like we were on the right path of what we were doing. Yeah, that was amazing. The four thousand individual individual donations for people that said, well, maybe it was, hey, you want to pay me ten dollars worth? When yeah, I'm yeah. Stuck at home, or hey, I the comic is of value. Oh, how pretty is that? <laughs> it's fall in New perfect. Jersey. Is that your actual backyard or a Zoom backyard? <laughs> Thank you. That's the best compliment anyone could pay me. <laughs> it's a genuine backyard with real oak leaves everywhere. Come on, everybody. Um, come by and rake my yard. 
Um, I know. Yeah, I would like that too. I have a neighbor that does that. And we used to be like, you don't need to do it. And now I'm sort of like upset when they don't. <laughs> well, now I'm like, can you get that patch? Like, if you're going to do it, like, just do I it. Would, yeah, like, do it right. I mean, <laughs> exactly. That's the problem. It's too much. Um, she can rake too much. She too much. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like to ask you um, before we go, so, I have a couple. Of, sorry. I have, the cookies smell really, really good. I just got a whiff of them. They smell delicious. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we may have to end this before you can um, actually um, take the cookies out, but I will, I will talk you through the end part, but I'm, I, we, I do want to ask you one controversial question just to get your take on it. If you're willing to talk about it, cause I know some people aren't, um, which is how do you feel about the whole Hassan Minaj in a, being sort of reamed by the New Yorker? And he's just put out a defense, I think in the past couple of weeks. I have not read the defense. I haven't read the defense yet. I have it pinned and I want to share it with my students. I think it's ridiculous. What happened? Yes. And talk about it. Well, I think comedian, like, and I understand there's nuance to everything. And I understand he had a role as a piece of the daily show to be a truth teller, which I believe roles, the role of comedian is about reflective and mirror of the society. And so there is some expectation of truth, but they're comedians and they're making stories. And I don't, I mean, I can't even believe that this is even a piece of the conversation. That's how, that's how I feel about it. It's like, this is what it's become. We have to, what? I think it's I think it's ridiculous. I don't know how my we haven't talked about it really. I'm not no, sure how my partners feel. But I well, think- I, I I'll just say this: this is what pops into my head is that Caroline Ray was on Kelly and Mark this week prom- or last week promoting her show. Caroline Ray's on our comedy board. We're a big fan, um, and she was talking about a story about Ricky Martin being on her flight. What do you think the percentage of Ricky Martin being on her flight was? Like, you mean what the percentage of the truth is? Yeah. Zero. Like, well. Zero. Yeah. Like, did that happen exactly as we're, she's telling the story? Oh, no, it's a funny that's, story. That's what comedy is. Right. right. You've got the thing, this whole big, you know, issue over it. I, I feel like I really need to go back and read it. But to me, it's just like, that's what comedy is. You know, they're telling something. They're probably exaggerating. They're making it funny. Right. They're trying you know hit a crowd and and you know put themselves out there but they're making it funny like we know not everything people are saying is the truth well, every so, comedy movie isn't based on a true story I, you like, know one of the things Hassan Minaj said in his defense was he like talked through how how he got to um, white powder was, you know, he got a package with white powder in it and it fell on his daughter's head and they spent all this time in the AR and whatever. Well, he said, well, you know, the powder didn't actually fall on her head, but it did. I did get some, it did fall out of an envelope. And then my wife was like, but what if this, she was in the room? What if, if, what if it impacted her? What if it affected her? And that concerned us. So we, you know, we wanted to have her seen. It didn't happen exactly as he told the story, but it inspired, I mean, a, a humorous way almost to talk about, you know, a lighter way to talk about something that's awful. 
it inspired a bit, which and he was yeah. able to talk about it and get something out there about, you know, something in the, in the, in society. But most comics aren't 100% truthful. Like, well, but that's not their, again, not I their call job. them a truth teller. And, and there are different types of comedians, which is why I think the expectation for Hassan is different than maybe another comedian because he was part of the Daily Show and there is factual information and all that. I don't, I'm not saying that should be applied to him, but I say comics are truth tellers, right, as their role to make light of something in society. But that doesn't mean they have to, it's not, the joke they're doesn't have to fact. be true. They're, they're, they're not, not fact checkers. They're holding them. They're not presidential candidates. Well, right. Let's yeah. talk about lying. Should we worry Let's about be- that more, maybe? Yeah. I mean, and the other, the thing that struck me as when I listened to um, him, uh, his defense of himself was, you know, Rodney Dangerfield didn't really want you to take his wife. No, or have respect. <laughs> that was it. Right. Like, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it was like nobody was like he wants you to take his wife. He's saying please, even you know. And it, I feel like we sort of lost touch with like humor for the sake of, or what you know, what humor is very capable of doing. Difficult subjects delivered with some lightness. Because have you looked around us? Things are really yeah. shitty. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, comics, and, and you know, it also ties into the freedom of speech piece of it, and what the role is, and you know, I, you Lenny know, Bruce. Lenny Bruce, and comics should have, you know, it is, we are not, and I think the bigger conversation about truth in our world, that truth is also relative, by somebody bringing this up and putting that on a comedian, undermines the conversation about what we should be having, about truth being relative now, and that, that it's not the comedian's role. It is not, but it is our politicians and our government and the media outlets to be truthful and to give us not misinformation. It is not the role of comedian. No. How boring if that was, you know, I will tell you actually, like when I was in college, uh, I had a very, I went to a traditional like liberal arts school that didn't have like summer internships. And I had an advisor, I was like an art history major who I had this uh, internship at Letterman or I got, I had this opportunity and he kind of made it in my record so I could do it. But he watched the show. He was an artist. He didn't. And he goes, you know what I like about that show? That it's information and jokes. Like Dave will go, you know, there's a taxi strike today. And, you know, 300 taxi drivers on check. Fact, information, and then, you know, the joke. The joke. And so there's truth to it or whatever. But I... Uh, I never thought about comedy that way. Like somebody giving you an information, you know, but you don't go to them for your information. information. Yeah. So I love that that was kind of the, my teachers, my professors, you know, thing. Um, Oh, that's our time. Yeah. That was the timer. So anyway, I I think that that's funny that he said, Oh, information. And then a joke. Well, it's not. How's it looking? They look like, I think they look great. They're a little brown around the edge. I think they need a little time. Give them a little time. Maybe 20, 20, Five minutes, twenty-four minutes. Yeah, a little golden. They're not golden. I want yet. a little golden. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, that's actually. I found myself this week. Um, two things about comedy is I found myself this week not waking up and watching the news first thing. I obviously, because of my job, because I like teach journalism and all that sort of thing. Obviously, I follow the news, people. So don't like nobody at me. Okay, I obviously I read the news constantly, but I didn't want to wake up and see the news like I normally do. So. I would turn on um, Stephen Colbert and 
he would sort of give me a good wrap up of the news. And that way I wasn't like tearing my hair out about Mike Johnson, the new speaker of the house. I was kind of laughing at him. Um, I will, for full disclosure, my nephew works for Stephen Colbert and my niece works for John Oliver. So, you know, I find, I think comedy and news together are the most brilliant things ever. <laughs> open your mind. It can give you information. You can ideas. open your mind to new ideas and a, 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 maybe a different way to look at something. Yeah. And it's a great way to kind of digest the news through like a monologue of a late night talk show because they do give information. And yet it's always going to be with a little bit of a, the sugar, the spoonful of sugar, the sort of perspective. In this case, powdered sugar. Powdered sugar, <laughs> definitely, which is so smooth and silky um, and it has so many different attributes. We just don't use it enough. Um, the way that the way that Colbert handled um, the shootings in Maine, right? So instead of me watching the news and seeing camera full on where nothing is happening in the background and they're just sort of repeating, you know, whatever the sheriff's PR had put out, he talked about like, it with great sensitivity and then, you know, made a joke about, you know, nobody should mess with Mainers. These people have as their uh, state flower, the pine cone, you know, <laughs> it's just a very nice way of saying these folks are tough. It's yep, what, we're watch hard. what we're watching is difficult. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, the next stage of this um, yeah. Before you guys put on your golf skirts and stuff, your plus fours, your plus fours. And I don't know what you're going to wear for the golfing tournament. Probably something very fancy. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you're going to have matching outfits for it. Do we kind of, we have Navy as, this is our new, this is our uh, third annual Navy. So we're going off our Navy color. They have, she's pointing to her, a baseball, very stylish baseball caps. Oh, with nice, with comedy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, good. Um, before you do that, we're gonna. We need to. I need to tell you about the the finishing touches for this cookie. Are you take them out, you get a little bowl and you fill it with um, powdered sugar. See our friend powdered sugar, and you let them cool down for like five minutes, and then you toss them while they're still warm because that will make the powdered sugar stick. Right. And before you serve them to your friends, um, I would put I would uh, I put a little bit of powdered sugar on top of them extra. You know. Oh, sift it. sift a little powdered sugar over them. This is how one looks when we're Look, done. Look, I brought my sifter out, I have a. <gasps> she has a good old fashioned sifter. Oh, I should get one. But that see, this is how they end up looking. Um, there we go. Oh, beautiful! Oh, they look like golf balls. Isn't that great? So perfect. <laughs> we'll bring them to our golfers. We'll bring them to our Mondays. golfers. Um, I want to thank you guys for being here. I'd love to take a picture of us all together, if, if you know what I mean by all together. Um, and I want everybody out there who's listening to go bake some golf cookies. And it, if they are interested, they could give um, to support big or small, but give to support comedy gives back and help somebody, you know, a creative in need. And let's keep supporting creatives. God bless us. Right. Yes. Um, and one more, Marissa, can I make one more plug? And it's an invitation also to you. Yes, please. Is that we have a fundraiser at Gotham next week uh, as in New York. In New York as part of the New York Comedy Festival, our CGB Laugh Aid Part Two. And it's at Gotham at seven o'clock next Thursday. Maybe you come. That would be great. I would love to come. Um, because you know I'm a big fan of comedy. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here's our and golf ball, everybody. I love it. Yeah, they look so good. And if any of you're listening, wait, wait, let me do one more. Let me take one too. Okay. 
Get the ball back up there. Oh, the ball show back me up. Your ball. I'm going to show, show you my sad We'll take a picture of our finished balls. product. We'll, we'll send you our picture of our finished balls. Yeah. I look forward to seeing your balls later. Um, and if there's anything funnier than the word balls, maybe, well, we'll talk about that later. All right. <laughs> um, thank you very, very much for being here and for all. Awesome. Uh, See you. Loved it. Thank you Same very much. You can learn more about Comedy Gives Back at ComedyGivesBack.com. And you can find me, Marissa Rothkopf, at MarissaRothkopf.Substack.com. Or, and, I mean, try both, Marissa Rothkopf Eats on Threads. Thank you, and stay safe, and have a great week.